You know that thing you always do and wish you could stop? That thing you kind of hate yourself for doing? Well, today I'm going to show you something that might just be the key to finally breaking free. Welcome to another edition of The Voice of Prophecy. I'm your host, Sean Boonstra, and I am glad you have joined me today. I want to go back in history to a time when you and I were both little kids, and you've got to admit that life looked pretty good back then. I mean, even if your childhood wasn't easy, even if your home life wasn't particularly good, you still had an entire lifetime ahead of you, and you could dream about how great life was going to be. I know when I was about eight years old, I thought I was going to grow up and be one of the Dukes of Hazard. You remember that show? I was going to have an awesome car and get all the girls and live a life that was filled with adventure. And then when I was a little bit older, my dreams shifted, and I was going to run for public office and rule the world, or at least rule my corner of the world, and I knew the adoring public would always re-elect me because they would always love me of course, and then I was going to write the great American novel, and then I was going to compose a symphony, and then I grew up and faced real life. Just like you, I discovered that reality is a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Sure, there are a handful of lucky and rarely talented people that actually manage to accomplish everything in their bucket list, but the rest of us generally find out that there's only time in life to do one or two things well. And you know the other thing we find out? All those people who cheered for us and gave all the kids a blue ribbon on sports day, they just kind of disappear. Your fan base evaporates. After you grow up and leave home, the world stops offering you busloads of cheerleaders. Not everything you do is wonderful anymore, and if anything, you seem to collect more critics than fans as you trudge your way through life. And even your private life keeps getting harder. You can't get enough sleep. You can't seem to make enough money, and maybe even your marriage or your home life isn't everything you always dreamed it would be. So what do most of us do? We find coping mechanisms. We find some way to help us make it through. And unfortunately, some of the mechanisms we actually use become as much of a problem as the stuff they were supposed to help with. I, I know for me, it was a pretty significant coffee habit when I was just a young guy. I mean, imagine this. I'm 18 years old in college, and I'm drinking 24 cups of coffee every single day. And you did hear that number right. It was 24 cups. Now, those aren't the big cups, I guess, that they use at, at Starbucks. They're not even mugs of coffee. Those are the little cups that are posted on the side of a coffee pot. So what are those? I don't know, four ounces, six ounces? I, I don't actually know. But it was four pots of coffee every single day. I had one with breakfast. I had one with lunch. I had one or two in the evening. And as you can imagine, I wasn't sleeping very well. So the next morning I would get up and I was even more tired. So I needed more coffee and on and on it went. And then, like an idiot, as a teenager, I took up smoking. Actually, I started that when I was 15, and, and so now I'm a coffee-drinking, pack-a-day smoker by the time I'm only 19 or 20 years old, which means, of course, that I was always broke, because after tuition and books and coffee and cigarettes, there wasn't much money left over for stuff like, oh, I don't know, food. So, yeah, I've, I've done it. And I know that some of you are doing it, too. You've got your own private little pharmacy at home. You've got caffeine and nicotine and alcohol and pills, what, whatever it is. And you're using this stuff to medicate your way through life. 
but you know, you know that in the long run, these habits are causing as much damage to your body as they are helping you deal with the stress of life. And maybe today you're even wishing that you could quit. So today I'm going to walk you through a three-step biblical process that has helped thousands of people get over destructive habits. And many people manage to lick the habit in just a matter of days because of the some unique features that are found in this biblical process. But just before I get into that, maybe we should talk for a moment about why. Why it is from a Christian perspective that willfully causing physical damage to yourself is a very unchristian thing to do. Now, of course, we live in a world where everything around us, we're told, causes cancer. And that's what they say. But there are some things we know for sure are killing us, like cigarettes. Now, if you don't care, by all means, go on smoking. It's none of my business. But if you happen to look at the world from a Christian perspective, you really need to rethink this habit from the Bible's way of seeing things. In his first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul talks about destructive sexual practices. He's actually talking about, if you can believe this, Christians going to prostitutes. But he sums it up with a really important statement. Now, this is 1 Corinthians 6.18. Listen carefully. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, of course, he's explicitly mentioning sexual immorality, but as you scan back through the rest of the chapter, he's also talking about other destructive habits because he even mentions the foods we choose to eat. And his point is simple. You and I are living with borrowed property. If you claim to be a Christian, your body does not belong to you. You were bought with a price, Paul says, so glorify God in your body. So this really becomes a matter of good stewardship. You've got to start thinking of yourself as a renter rather than an owner. Now, I know that some people take care of rentals worse than they take care of their own property. So let's do a little more pretending and pretend there's a huge damage deposit in the order of $50,000. And that's not really that outrageous of an analogy because when someone is made in the image of God, how in the world could you even put a price on a life that gets cut short? So let's assume for the sake of argument there's lots at stake if you don't take good care of God's property because it's true. There is a lot at stake. Now, of course, you want to quit and you've tried before, but here you are still doing it. And you might even hate yourself for going back to it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back to take you through three or four biblical principles that can really make the difference. And I think you might want to have a pen and paper handy and a Bible if you have that too, so that you can write these things down. So don't go away because I've seen this change thousands of lives, mine included. I'll be right back. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? The Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. 
Okay, we are back from our break. I hope you went to go get that pen and a piece of paper, and if you have one in your home, a Bible. And if you don't have one, you really ought to go and get yourself a Bible. They're not that expensive, and it's a life-changing thing to have around. So, hope you got all of those things, because what we're going to do now is go through a few biblical principles that someone once showed me. Principles that will help you understand how God can help people break free from a destructive habit. And if you've ever tried to break free from a habit on your own, there's a pretty good chance you know you need some help, especially if your habit is tobacco, because honestly, it's one of the most addictive substances on the planet. Nicotine really has a way of getting its hooks into you. So, just before we dig into this, I should probably give you a little bit of a disclaimer and remind you right now that I am not a medical doctor. I have seen this work for thousands of people, but don't forget, you're now listening to a preacher and I'm giving you spiritual advice, and I do advise you to consult with your doctor before you go and make any drastic life changes. There there may be other underlying issues in your life that you also need to address, and so I would want you to go and get sound medical advice. I do know that what I'm about to share with you works because I've seen it work so often, but don't consider this to be medical advice. So, now I've got that out of the way, and I want to get started. We're going to look first at Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. First Corinthians, in fact. And we're going to look at what might be the best-known chapter in that whole letter, chapter 15. And the reason that chapter is so well-known is because it deals with the ultimate victory that Jesus won for us at the cross, a victory over death. This is the chapter you sometimes hear being read at the graveside at a funeral, right? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? This is a really powerful chapter. This chapter is looking forward to the day when Jesus comes back. The graves are opened, and this world of pain and suffering becomes a thing of the past. And then right at the end of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is this remarkable concept that a lot of people read right past. They miss it. This chapter might be talking about the big victory, eternal life, but you don't want to miss how victory happens for human beings. You see, to our way of thinking, we think we have to struggle to get things. We have to win things. We have to earn things. And of course, that idea has led to all sorts of perversions of the basic gospel message. We know, biblically, that we don't earn salvation. It's a gift from God. We receive it by grace through faith. And honestly, that's the best way to get victory over anything in this life, over any sin that's causing you a problem. Listen to what Paul says. This concept is so simple, you almost miss it if you're reading too fast. It's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Listen to this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say who makes us earn the victory. It says God gives it. It's a gift. The surprising truth is that God doesn't want you to quit smoking because he knows it doesn't work. He knows you can't do it. He knows how often you've tried and how often you've failed. He knows how hard it is to break a chemical dependency or an emotional dependency. And so this time, today, God doesn't actually want you to quit. He wants you to take victory from him as a gift. 
He wants you right now to assume by faith that you have this as a present from him, that he can make you a non-smoker right now this minute. Not that you're going to get this at some point in the future, not that it's going to happen maybe someday down the road, but God is giving this gift to you right now. And your job is to take the gift by faith. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, but I can't see it. I don't feel any different. I don't think anything's changed. And you're right. You don't feel any different. And that's why it says you do this by faith. You don't have to be a quitting smoker. You don't have to be a struggling drinker. You don't have to do this on your own. Your job is to take the gift by faith and know that right now you are a non-smoker, a non-drinker, a non-whatever. You're not in recovery. You're not fighting your way through this. This is over for you right now. By faith in Christ, you take the victory and you know that it's finished this very minute. And I know. If you're a guy, there's also this temptation to say, look, I don't take anything from anybody without earning it. And I'm kind of wired that way. So if that's you, or if you're a woman who answers to that description, I want you to pretend just for a moment that you're five years old and your favorite grandma just gave you a present. Now tell me, does a five-year-old say, no way, grandma, I don't think that gift is for me. Does a five-year-old refuse a present? Not a chance. They take it and they rip it open. So your job is to take this gift. You are a non-smoker. You are a non-drinker. You are a non-porn addict. Whatever it is that you're fighting against, just quit fighting and take this from God. It is yours. It is over. Right now, this minute, God gives you victory. And that feels pretty good. To know by faith that God just took over for you and declared this thing is over. And that enables us now to move on to the second principle. This one is found in Romans chapter 6, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it talks about the symbol of baptism and the new life that God gives us through Christ. Now, I want you to listen to Paul's words in Romans 6 verse 11 because it, it will describe your part in this whole arrangement. God's part is to give you victory. Your part is to believe it's true. Here's what Paul says, Romans 6 verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, you'll notice the Bible's a very honest book. It doesn't pretend that you're not going to ever struggle in life, and it doesn't pretend that we don't struggle to believe what God says. So Paul says, consider yourself dead to sin. You might not feel like it. You might struggle to believe this. So consider it done. Make the conscious decision to tell yourself this is over, that you choose to believe what God says. And that means the next time you head down to the 7-Eleven and your mind starts telling you, look, you're really actually a smoker. You love this. You can't be free. You have to stop yourself. You have to consider yourself dead to that habit. You have to make a decision. Now, at the same time, you're not fighting it. You're not struggling. You're just reminding yourself that you are dead to the habit because God gave you victory as a present. Now, I'm going to take another short break, and I'm going to come back with one more incredible biblical principle that you can add to these first two that really rounds out the package and makes it powerful. So don't go away. I'm coming right back. Are you looking for answers to the deepest questions in life? 
Like, is it possible to find real forgiveness and peace? The Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for to this and all of life's big questions. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And we're back from our break. I hope you took a chance to write down the details for our Discover Bible School. We'll give you one more opportunity before I'm done today. And uh, I'm also going to address our third principle when you're addressing a destructive habit. That's what we're talking about today. Destructive habits. The kind of habit that makes you wish you could stop. The kind of habit that makes you hate yourself for doing it. But at the same time, it seems so irresistible. You just keep coming back for more, and then you hate yourself for caving in. And while I'm primarily talking about a smoking habit, because, frankly, I used to have one myself, and because it's still surprisingly quite prevalent in spite of what we know about smoking, I'm really talking about any habit, any habit that controls you, whether it's a chemical addiction like with alcohol or nicotine, or it's an emotional addiction like overeating, or turning to all the wrong foods when you're feeling down or depressed, this applies to whatever it is that you keep on doing, in spite of the fact that you know this is killing you. These days, people are dependent on all sorts of habits that really cut into their quality of life. We build these chemical crutches that we keep on going back to, thinking that they'll help us in the short term, and then in the long term, they actually make our lives even more miserable. So what we've been doing today is looking at powerful biblical principles that I've seen thousands of people use to break free over the years. The first principle came from 1 Corinthians 15, and that's where Paul says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. In other words, you don't struggle for victory over a habit. You don't earn it. You don't work your way towards it. God says you can actually just take this from him today as a gift. He just hands it to you. He declares that it's over. And by faith, what you do is choose to believe that this is already done. You are already free. You don't have to say, I'm struggling. You don't have to say, I'm going to fight this week after week after sorry week. You can say today, I am free because God says it is done. I am a non-smoker. I am a non-drinker. I am a non-porn addict. I am whatever it is that you're dependent on. You can just believe God that he says, I'm going to give this to you as a gift. The second principle was obviously tied to the first one, and it came from Romans 6, verse 11, where the Bible tells us to consider ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That means that even on days when you don't feel like it, you consider yourself to be dead to the habit. Your whole job in this process is to consider it over, to remind yourself this is done right now. In fact, this is so over that you're actually dead to it. And as you know, dead people don't have habits. Dead people can't smoke. They can't drink because they're dead. It doesn't work. Your job is to say, I am dead to that. It is impossible for me to do it because God gave this to me as a gift. So those were the first two principles. And now I want to look at the third because this is in the book of Romans as well. It's Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. But put on, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. 
So what exactly would that verse mean for you? When it says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, what does that actually mean in your day-to-day life? Well, it's really pretty simple. If God has given you victory, if you choose to believe that this is over right now because God says it is, if you choose to consider yourself dead to the habit, whatever the habit is, if you make the active choice right, that it's done today and God's word is true, then now it's time at this moment to get rid of everything associated with your habit. And this might be the place where you actually ask someone that you trust to come over to your house and help you be accountable. What you need to do right now, or at least as soon as the broadcast is over, I guess stick around right now and listen to the rest of the broadcast, but as soon as it's over, get on the horn, get on a phone, call somebody, have them come over, someone you trust, hopefully there's someone like that, and go through your house and get rid of that thing that is wrecking your life. So, If your habit is your Sony PlayStation, and I know some of you are smiling about that, but I've had some people come to me and say, this is a problem. I ate nine, ten hours a day on that thing. Well, if that's your habit and you've decided that you are dead to this, your job is to make no provision for the flesh. Grab that thing. Take it down to Goodwill. Don't do it tomorrow. Don't do it next week. Do it right now today. And don't tell yourself, I'm going to keep the PlayStation on the shelf because I want it to remind me that I have victory over it. Come on, I've heard that before, and you know, that's just an excuse not to let go of it. So grab the thing, get rid of it, and do it today. If your habit is smoking, then go through the house, get rid of everything associated with it. God says, make no provision for the flesh. That's your part in this. If God has given you victory, and he has, that means you do not need the stuff that's in your house. If God says you are a non-smoker, then you don't need cigarettes. A non-smoker doesn't need rolling paper. A non-smoker doesn't need ashtrays. A non-smoker doesn't need lighters or cigars or pipes or loose tobacco or chew or snuff or whatever it is that you have. I hope I went down the whole list. You know what those things are, and you are now a non-smoker, and it is time Time to exercise your faith and make no provision for the lusts of the flesh. If God says he can give you victory over this stuff, then believe what he says and consider this done. But you have to believe him 100%. The very act of hanging on to your stuff is about the same thing as telling God, I don't really believe this. You're actually telling God you're not actually interested in the gift. It's kind of like keeping your old girlfriend around after you get married. There there comes a point in your commitment, in your relationship, where it has to be all the way in. 100%. And folks, today is that moment. Today. So go get a bag, start collecting the stuff, and get rid of it. Drive across town if you have to and throw it in a dumpster. Or better yet, tell a Christian friend what you're doing and ask him or her to take this stuff away and get rid of it for you. And if you have a good Christian friend you can talk to, a pastor or a good friend that you can trust, then ask them to pray with you once a day, just for a minute or two, even if it's over the phone, maybe first thing in the morning when you go to work. Have them call you three or four days and just pray with you. But don't pray for victory because you already have it. 
This is the one time you're not going to go back and flog a dead horse. You are not going back to the past. The issue is over today. So you're not going to pray, Oh, Lord, help me overcome the demon of tobacco. I don't know if I have the strength. Don't pray that because that means you have not considered yourself dead to the habit. Instead, just thank God for what he's doing for what he's doing for you today. You ought to pray like this, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the victory of Jesus at the cross. And thank you for the victory you have given me today as a gift. Do you see the difference in those prayers? You're accepting the gift and you're moving forward by faith. And whatever you do, quit beating yourself up. You see, when it says that God forgives you, he means that. The slate is clean. It's like it never happened. In place of your record, in place of my record, you know what we get? We get Jesus' perfect life, his spotless beauty as a gift. And that's not something God does begrudgingly because you said some magic words in a prayer and now he's legally obligated to help you. It doesn't work that way. God didn't have to save anybody. He didn't have to forgive anybody, but he loves you. And this is what he wants for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Look, this is going to work because God wants it to work. And if he wants something, you know he's going to get it. But he's not going to force it. He's not going to push it on you because that's not who he is. Your job today is to accept it. Your job is to believe. And that doesn't mean that you have to understand every nook and cranny. It doesn't mean you have to understand every detail of how God works because that's not even possible. What you have to do is start living right now as if his word is true. And really, that's what Christian faith is about. No matter what the issue, by faith every single day, we step out of bed and we face the world one decision at a time, and we live as if all the promises of God are actually true. You are loved, you are forgiven, and you have been seated in heavenly places with Christ. Look, I'm going to try and get a little synopsis up on our website that has these three points and maybe a few other little pointers to help you with your new free life of victory. And while you're at the website, don't forget to sign up for our world-famous Discover Bible course because today is just the beginning. There are all sorts of things that God would like to do for you. And congratulations on your new life in Jesus Christ. But that is the time that I have for this week. And so until next time we meet, I'm Sean Boonstra, and you've been listening to The Voice of Prophecy. Are you searching for answers to life's most challenging questions? Answers to help you make sense of the chaos in today's world. Answers to the deepest questions in life, like, how can I know that Jesus was real? Was he more than a man, and how do I even know the stories of his time on earth are true? How can I know that the Bible is something that I can believe today? And questions like, if the Bible is true, well, what happens next after this life? Is there really a heaven? And in this world of uncertainty, you might be wondering, is there actually a chance for true happiness in this life? Disappointments like illness and loss of employment can hang like clouds over our lives. Life's daily, routine challenges can be overwhelming, and even the things that once made us happy can begin to seem empty. Is it really possible to have a happy, contented life in such an uncertain world? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 
888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online at our website, BibleStudies.com, or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. At BibleStudies.com, you will find the Discover Bible Guides in nearly 50 languages, including Spanish, Japanese, Tagalog, and Russian. Now, this is a great resource for the family member or friend that you know is looking for answers but struggles with English. At BibleStudies.com, click on the interactive world map and find the language that you're looking for. At BibleStudies.com, you'll find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life and Does My Life Really Matter to God? Answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. The major themes of the Bible come to life as we study together guides like When Jesus Comes for You and From Guilty Sinner to Forgiven Saint. And while you're online, be sure to visit us at VOP.com. At VOP.com, you'll find audio archives of this program, the latest ministry news, and resources to help you dig deep into God's Word. Begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions and log on today to BibleStudies.com.